He's going to say, I don't know. As I got into this, there's a lot of things I don't know about these end times and, and, and about how this unfolds. But I know one thing. Jesus Christ is coming again. He is. It's, and, and the question we ask, is He really coming back? Yes, He is. Look at their Bible, Revelation 1. Let's begin in verse 4. We're going to pick up there and we'll kind of conclude in verse 8. But follow along with me. If you need to look at the words, look at the screen that's right behind me. The Bible says in Revelation 1-4, John, who is the author here, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was. And then say this next phrase with me. Who is to come. Okay, underline that. He's to come again. And from the sevenfold spirit, or the, your Bible may say seven spirits, it literally means sevenfold spirit before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. It is to this person, this ruler of the kings of the earth, watch what He says next, to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood. Amen. That was His first coming, by the way. His first coming, He did that. And He's made us to be a kingdom and, uh, and priest to serve His God and Father. It is to this person, be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now you say to yourself, Todd, it doesn't look like there's a lot of glory and power going to God right now. And this verse says, you know, glory and power to God forever and ever. But I don't see that. I, I, I live in a world, I live in a city. I, my, it doesn't look like that. I mean, it seems like there's glory and power to, to other kinds of people. Plus, I don't know where Jesus Christ is enthroned. I can't find a place where He's up on some pedestal and everybody's paying their dues to Him. What's, what's this verse mean? Well, the next verse clears it up. Look what John says. Look, say this phrase with me. He is coming. You see, that the end of verse 6 physically takes place when He comes. Look, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. All the peoples of the earth will mourn because of Him. That's an odd phrase, isn't it? I mean, we're here celebrating the fact that He's living and coming back, and we're, we're rejoicing about that. This verse says that he, they will mourn when they see Him. So shall it be, Amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was. Say it with me. Who is to come? Three times in these four or five verses, we have the assurance of what one fact. Jesus is coming, says the Almighty. Now, I want you to think about this for a few minutes. Not everyone believes that. A few things I want to mention to you here. You know, liberal theologians, they suggest that there is actually no return of Christ. No literal return. They think He came once. The Bible should be figurative in every sense of the word. And He's in your heart. So you know what? The world will probably just get better and better and better. And one day there will just be this, this kingdom. And He'll be in our hearts and, and He'll rule from there. And He'll just be this perfect utopia. How do you think that's going on in our world today? Okay, that's why I'm going to say something to you. Bold as a line here. Don't trust liberal theology. Amen. Stick with the Bible. Liberal theologians also want you to believe that the Bible is not the Word of God. That the miracles didn't really happen. That the creation was just kind of a, an imagination. 
that Jesus Christ wasn't really the Son of God. And they could go down and listen. I'm going to say something to you. The Bible means what it says, and it says He's coming again. Do you know that our Jehovah's Witness friends, they say that He secretly came in 1914. Do you know that? A lot of you get the JWs visiting your area. They knock on your door. They want to talk to you. Well, He made, I don't know, He didn't come in 1914 the way the Bible says. I can tell you that. He's still to come. Uh, the Moonies. Now, these are a little out of date. A lot of you haven't seen the Moonies in a while, but if you're my age or maybe around that age, you remember these guys in the airport. Those kinds of people, and they would sell flowers. And, uh, they say that uh, Sun Young Moon is the actual Messiah, and that when He came, Christ came. That's a scary thought, <laughs> isn't it? And we can go down religion after religion, false belief after false belief, and how they reconcile the coming of Christ. But I think I've got a good idea. Why don't we just take the Bible, study the Word of God, preach what it says, and then believe it? Is that, is that simple enough? In fact, I had that debate this week. I mean, I think I probably read about... Um, I read a lot, but I'm not an avid, avid reader. But this week, I probably saw like seven or eight books on end times. And, and I got a lot of them on the table back there that, that I kind of went through and read. You can just pick up some of them. Don't take them. Uh, if you want to get titles and, and purchase them later, you can buy the audio CDs back there. They're the Left Behind series that they're really good to listen to. Pick those up. They're $15. But just a lot of stuff I read this week. And I was left with more questions. And I told Julia, it was Thursday morning. And I said, honey, I don't know what I'm going to say Sunday. She says, we don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, there was a million opinions Different, and what I saw in this book, and whatever, I was like, wait, so you know what I did? I just closed them all, put them up, got my Bible out. And I said, and this is kind of me, I said, I'm just going to read this book, and I'm going to let it speak for itself. So this morning, you're going to, you're going to get the result of this book speaking to me and you. Is that okay? It may jive with what you believe, it may not. Well, let's just check it out with the Bible. Is that a deal? So I went to the Word of God and I said, okay, the Bible says He's coming. Let's just talk about what we do know about His coming. Jot these down in the study guide. In fact, that's one reason on your, on your worship folder, there's a lot of blank space there. Man, the, the bullets, they already ran all that. I was like, I don't know what to put on there for blanks. Just leave them blank space and they'll write as God leads them. Is that okay? So I want to show you some things I do know. I may not know everything about all this coming, but I'm going to tell you what I do know. First of all, I know that His coming... We'll just kind of walk through some of these things. I know His coming is personal. The Bible says in Revelation 1, look, He is coming. In fact, you ought to underline the word He. Can I ask you a question? Who's coming back to get His church? Jesus Christ. Not a force, not a Jedi, not a UFO. Excuse me. Not a prophet. The Bible says He is coming. The He is the one spoken of in verses 4, 5, and 6. So anyone that says to you, any religion, any, any excuse me, false religion, any belief system that says, well, it's, it's the prophet's going to come. No, wait. The Bible says He is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. It's a personal coming. This reconciles John 14. The disciples were stressed. Remember that? He was leaving. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And you know what? If I go away, I will come 
again. John 14. A good cross-reference there. Second thing we know about His coming. His coming is positive. Now, I don't mean they're positive as opposed to negative. I mean positive like confident, assured. Look at the next word. He is coming. Does anyone here sense hesitation in that phrase? Do you sense like the same sense you get when you say to your husband on the phone, Honey, could you pick up some milk on the way home? You're like, it may get here, it may not. You know, <laughs> you're not sure if the milk will get there. I mean, I'm always forgetting those last minute errands, you know. There's no sense of doubt here. He is coming. It is positive. You can rest assured that one day Jesus Christ is coming. Third thing it is. It's personal. It's positive. It is powerful. Look at your text. We're going to stick right with the Word of God. He is coming where? Say it with me. With the clouds. Now, I know a lot of you watch movies and you see incredible things in the studios. But I want to say something to you. Steven Spielberg and all those guys that, you know, Back to the Future and all those. This is not made up. It's not movie stuff. This is real life. He is coming in a powerful way in the sky with the clouds. This is not like some string on his back. He's not levitating and, you know, lower me down, boys. <laughs> He's coming from heaven. And the atmosphere will hardly be able to contain him. Look at Acts chapter 1 for a second. Let me show you the, this where it, uh, it's prophesied. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. He's talking to his disciples. And, and by the way, in the context here, they're asking about, hey, when's the kingdom going to be set up? What are the dates and the seasons? In other words, from last week, they wanted to know when the time was. Remember? Watch time, chronos time. They wanted to know. When is it all happening? He said, that's not what you should know. You should know about being witnesses. Then he met, look what he did in verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10. This is the understatement of the year. They were looking intently up in the sky. Boy, I'd be doing that too, wouldn't you? When suddenly, this just adds to the effect, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I can answer that question. Because Jesus Christ just went up into it. That's why. This same Jesus. Catch that phrase? Personal, isn't it? This very same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. There he is. Come back in the same way. So it's the same Jesus in the same way in the clouds. He left that way. He's going to come back that way. You ought to write these references down. Especially those of you who are studying new believers and you're kind of learning this. Write these down. The Bible will speak to you. It's also, look at the fourth thing it is. His coming is visible. Every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him. Some people think this is a reference to the soldiers who actually crucified Him. That on that day, when they're resurrected or wherever that they're going to be able to see that the, the man they crucified. I'm not so sure if that's exactly what it means. It may mean the race, the Jewish race that denied Him. You recall that, don't you? That's really who rejected Him. That's who crucified Him. That's who pierced Him. The Roman soldiers carried out the decree. But it was the Jews who, 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 who said no to Him. So some believe it's also a reference that, you know, the Jewish nation at that point will see 
their Messiah finally appearing. But it's visible. The Bible says, Then all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of Him. Write this down. It's also terrible. His coming is personal, positive, powerful, visible. It's terrible. Who's His, ter- who's his coming terrible for? That's a good question. Well, if you know He's coming and you're watching and you're ready, the Bible says it's not terrible for you because you know that the Lord is going to come back. Matthew 24, 25. But if you're not, read the parables. If you're not watching, if you're not ready, the Bible says you're left behind. It's terrible for you. The judgment of God falls. He gives the parable of the ten virgins. Five had their lamps lit and ready. Five didn't. Five were left behind. He gives the parable of the, of the three managers who were each given entrustments. Some one ten, one five, one ten, one five, and I think one one. And the five, uh, or the they each one doubled, but the last guy did. He hit it in the ground. It says that when the master came back, he said, "Oh, I was so worried. I didn't know where anything about your guy." This is ah, that kind of attitude. And he says that he was thrown to everlasting darkness. You see, it's terrible for those who don't know Jesus Christ. And let me just be a, real honest with you here. While most of you probably are Christians, this is not a gamble you want to take. Can I say that to you? Hey, moms and dads, I completely disagree with the philosophy that says, well, just let them find their own way. They're, they're, you know, these, I won't force church on them. I think, you know, when about that time they're seven or eight, they can make their own decisions. Well, you know, that's a, that's a sure way to lose your kids. Can I just be frank with you? Man, this is not a gamble. It's positive. It's assured. It's personal. And you should live in light of the fact that for those who don't know Jesus Christ, His coming is terrible. Now, now that's very motivating to me. It's a little scary at times. He's not scary. But the, the situation will be scary. I want to be ready and watching, don't you? His coming is one more thing I want to show you. His coming is prophetic. Revelation 1.7 is the prediction or the statement about what's long been prophesied. In fact, Revelation 1.7 is really a quotation of Zechariah chapter 12. I think it's verse 10. You may want to jot that reference down. Zechariah 12.10. If you don't know where that is, it's towards the end of the Old Testament. Just check it out. It's also a fulfillment of Matthew 24.30. Turn over there with me, would you? You can find Matthew a lot quicker than Zechariah, so we'll look there. How's that sound? What a nice guy, right? Matthew 24.30. And I want to correlate with you uh, some of similar things in this verse as well as in Matthew 24. Matthew 24.30. He speaks in this passage about the coming of the Lord and the things on earth that will happen that are so bad. He says in verse 26, Matthew 24.26, If folks say to you, He's in the desert. He's in the inner rooms. Don't believe it. Watch now, verse 27. As lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west. That's an indication of every eye seeing Him, isn't it? Lightning from east to west. Across the entire span of the sky, you can see it. So there's an indication of the visibility of His coming. Look at this. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there's a carcass, there are vultures will gather there. After the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. 
The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. Things get bad. Now, look at verse 30. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky. See it right there? With power and great glory. He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. It's a prophetic coming. Knowing these six things, Matthew twenty four thirty, Zechariah twelve ten, Acts 1, 9. I want to say to you something. To answer the question we put out the beginning, yes, Jesus Christ is coming. We know that. Those are six things I know. Now, let me share some things I don't know. This list is too long to have to deal with today, I'm sure. But I want to show you some things I don't know to spur you on to thinking. Because the common question is, well, Todd, when is that coming going to happen? I don't know. Now, there are folks here in this room that are probably thinking, Todd, I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen before the bad things on earth. You sure hope so. Don't you? Can I, can I challenge that for a minute? Take your Bibles. Turn to Revelation 1-7. You're there. It says He's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see. Even those who pierced Him. Now, I think, could this be the same as Revelation chapter 6? Look at verse 12. Turn over to Revelation 6-12. And if you have a Bible, look with me. If you don't, just kind of find a friend with one to look on because you'll need several passages here. Revelation 6-12. Once you find that, put your finger there and flip back to Matthew 24.30. Matthew 24.30. We're going to see some similar passages here. Alright? First of all, Revelation 6, verse 12. It says, I watched as He opened the sixth seal. With me there? Now, I'm going to say something. Watch me here. I want to say something to you. Take these good notes if you want to. There are been five seals opened before the sixth one. That makes sense. I'm really good at math, guys. The first four are what we call the four horsemen. You've seen, you've heard the phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The fifth seal is an odd one. It's a seal of the martyrs. And it's, it's, it's when John looks and beneath the altar, there are all these souls. And look what they cry out. Look at verse 10. It's these souls that have been slain because of the Word of God. This says, they call out, How long, Sovereign Lord, till you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And he says, a little longer till the number was completed. Then he opens the sixth seal. Watch this, verse 12. There's a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. If you go back to Matthew 24, it looks just like verse 29. Now, I'm flipping you around here, but just uh, watch the Bible with me. You see that? Revelation 6, 12 looks like Matthew 29, doesn't it? The stars in the sky fell to the earth. You see that? Verse 29. And this is as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. You see that? It says the heavenly bodies will be shaken in Matthew 20, 24. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. That's amazing, isn't it? So you get the idea that something's coming in the sky. It rolls back. Something's coming. Well, I'll tell you, it's someone is coming. He is coming. Look what he does in verse 15. Then the kings of the earth, 
the princes, the generals. This is Revelation 6.15. All these great people, they'll hide in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They'll call to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? This, I believe, Revelation 6, is what Matthew 24 talks about. That's the coming of the Lord. Now, you're saying to me, Todd, but that, that's not true. Because we shouldn't be here. We can't, you know, we're not here during this tribulation. Well, who's to say the tribulation doesn't start in Revelation 7? 1. In fact, I want to show you something. If you look at chapter 6 of Revelation, look at chapter 6 of Revelation. You see these first four horsemen? They describe how bad things are going to get. They describe how terrible the time is going to be. Which would really coincide with the revealing of the Antichrist and the move towards a, a sense of peace in Jerusalem. And then suddenly everything kind of, all hell breaks loose, literally. Then the coming of the Son of Man. Now you say, but Ty, you don't understand. The rapture is going to happen before that. Okay, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's look here. We're going to correlate a few things and have you, you've got to make your own decision here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe Jesus died and rose again. This is verse 13. And since we believe that, we believe God will bring with Jesus Christ those who fall asleep. According to the Lord's own word. Where is that found? Where's the Lord's own word found? Where did He say, I'm coming back? John 14, Acts chapter 1. It says, We who are left to the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who fall asleep. The Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. Now, when you read this, now watch me here. I'm going to make some of you a little irritated. When you read these verses, it sounds a whole lot like Matthew 24. Sounds a whole lot like Revelation 6. Which is really after the sixth seal. Now, you're saying, but Todd, that, that, that's not true. It's the rapture. That, that's before all this happens. Look back at Revelation again. Go back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 10. We heard about the trumpet sounding and Look what verse Revelation 10.5 says. This is the angel and the trumpet. He says here in Revelation 10, There will be no more delay, but in the days, verse 7, when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. There's another indication. Could it be right there? There's the last trumpet, isn't it? Seventh trumpet. And by the way, the mystery of God refers to that time of the Gentiles possibly, when it's going to be complete. Here's what I'm saying to you guys. Well, let me show you one more passage real quick. Look over at Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here's another instance of Paul talking about the coming of the Lord. It says in verse 1, concerning His coming and our being gathered to Him. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like Him from, from the four winds calling His elect, doesn't it? Our calling, our being gathered to Him. We ask you, brothers, don't become unsettled or alarmed. Don't let anybody deceive you, verse 3. That day will not come until the rebellion occurs and man of lawlessness is revealed. So he says, he seems to be saying here, listen, don't think it already happened. Jesus Christ is still coming. He is coming again. He talks about how that's going to happen here a little bit. 
He'll destroy the, the, uh, the lawless one with the splendor of His coming in verse 8. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Another passage about the coming of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I declare to you, brothers, this is verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, I tell you a mystery. See that word mystery? Sounds like Revelation 10, doesn't it? When the mystery of God is accomplished. We will not all sleep. We will all be changed. In a flash, twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. There it is, last trumpet. But the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised. We'll be changed. Now, here, here's what I'm saying to you guys. There's a lot of Scriptures here that we've got to try to, to say, okay, when is He coming back? Well, first of all, I don't know. There's those famous three words. I don't know. I know He's coming back. Some believe He's coming back before Revelation chapter 6. And they go to Revelation chapter 4 to prove it. They see that John's up in heaven. And they take that to mean that the church is in heaven. And they say that from Revelation 6 to the end of the book, you don't really see the church at all in Revelation. You know, it could be. I'm not sure I buy that yet personally. Can I be that honest with you? Because, I'll tell you why. When you compare Scripture with Scripture, it's hard to find an actual event that says, you know what? Uh, before everything bad were taken out, and then there's also this one coming. You can find maybe three or four comings if, if you're not careful. So the Bible's not going to do that. The Bible says He's coming again. So we've we got to look at this and say, now, when is it going to happen? We don't know. Some think it happens in the middle. Do you know that? After the wrath, the first part of the wrath has happened, some think He's coming then. Some think He's coming to the very end. The thing I want to say to you is He's coming. Now, I lean towards, I lean towards what they call a pre-tribulational return. I lean that way. I wouldn't die for that, though. I'll tell you what I would die for. He's coming again. Someone said, Todd, you, you. I'll tell you what I am. See, I don't know when, I don't know how. Let me just kind of get through this first. I don't know when, I don't know how. I don't know how he's going to come back in the clouds, gather all of us together, change everyone that's dead that was raised and corruptible, give us new bodies, judge the earth, Call his saints and his brothers. This is amazing to me. But I can tell you one thing. There is a day coming when he will come again. And the sky will unfold. Jesus Christ will gather from the four winds his elect. His church will be gathered to him. People are going to see him. They're going to mourn because they don't know him. Which is why he said in the last part of Matthew, Be ready and watch. I don't know necessarily when, and I don't know how, but I do know He's coming. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. There's some words that people throw around. Let me teach you a couple of them. One's called uh, pre-trib. You ever heard that word before? That's our famous left-behind people. That's what they are. They're pre-trib. They've made a whole website and a book and a series and on the pre-trib view. I lean that way, but I'm not sure I'm that. In fact, one of their main arguments is this. They say, well, Todd, the Bible says we're going to point to wrath. And you know what? So how can we be here in the wrath of God? But did you know that the word wrath is not mentioned in Revelation until after the sixth seal? Did you know that? Check it out. I lean, this is where I lean personally. I don't want to be fuzzy, so I'm going to tell you what I think. I tend to think Revelation 6 describes how things are on earth. Getting ready for His coming. 
And then after the sixth seal, I think that's when he comes again to gather everyone together who's his elect. I think that's probably when this tribulation time starts. I don't have all the time frames figured out. It all leads to a point at the very end when the armies are gathered against Israel. He comes for the second time as a, on a great white horse. You see, if you think that Revelation 19 is the same as Revelation 1, you find two different accounts. Revelation 19, he's on a white horse. And he's coming with all the saints behind him. Revelation 1, Revelation 6, it's he's coming and he's gathering his elect from the corners of the earth. He's not on a horse. The earth is... It, so there's different things there. So if you say there's a rapture, and then you say there's this one, that's I mean, how many are we going to have here? I tend to think Revelation 6 is a capitulation of Revelation 1. It says this is how it looks. Now, does that mean it's in the middle of the tribulation? I'm not saying that. I don't know. I think some of those time frames are manufactured. We just know this. There is a time period of seven weeks. Some think it means seven years. I do too. That God's going to work with Israel. What if the end of the sixth seal begins the seven years? He works with Israel. Terrible things happen and they repent. And at the, at the battle of Armageddon, he comes on a white horse. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I stand. But I tell you, I'm not real sure of that even. There's a lot of different views out there. So I'm not necessarily pre-trib. I think I'm pre-trib. I, mean, I don't know. There's what they call pre-wrath. There's mid-trib and then there's post-trib. There's all these crazy words. I'm going to tell you what. i got a new word for you. This is what I am. I'm pro-coming. Can you say that with me? I am pro-coming. Because don't you think it's, it's odd that we spend so much time Trying to figure out when, I think God's laughing. It's like, man, these crazy humans that I created, you know? Hey, Todd, the point is, I'm coming back, buddy. You better get ready. And I want to say something to you. In fact, let me show you a scripture passage that proves this. In Second Peter, turn over there, would you? Because I want to show you how we have missed much of the tension of the New Testament. Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter, which coincides, by the way, coincides with uh, the passage we read a little while ago in Second Thessalonians. The real tension of the New Testament is not when is he coming. The tension, get this, get this, folks, get this. The tension is the fact that he's not coming. See, there's the New Testament tension. All the false teachers are saying, "Listen, he's not coming. It's already passed. You missed it." If they weren't debating when. They were denying its existence. Look at Second Peter 2. It says, uh, in the last days you'll have scoffers. Look at verse 4. They will say, where is this coming He promised? Hey, they're not, they're not sitting around the table debating, oh, are you pre-trib, pre-wrath, mid-trib, post-trib? You know. They were saying, ah, you bunch of loony Christians. You're waiting for a coming that's never happened, it's never going to happen. Don't you know you've been duped? That was the tension for these believers. Much of Paul's writings was this. Listen, guys, don't be fooled by those who say that. You stay alert. You stay ready because He is coming again. In fact, the reason He waits and tarries in the rest of this chapter is a wonderful chapter about our desire to see folks saved. He says, listen, they look at the earth, you know, and you think, well, He's never coming back. But with God, what may be like a thousand years to us is just a day to God. Now, don't calculate that officially. 
Some folks take that to say, well, then we've got to add up. If, we've been, if he's been gone three days, that's 3,000 years. And I've had folks say to me, hey, God's only been gone for about two days because it's like 2004. You know, it's just an analogy. A thousand years is like a day. Don't forget that important word there. There's not an official calculation in Scripture here, okay? And I know some prophets that scriptural prophetic dudes that do that. And that's not really right. It's not legitimate. He's saying this, listen, you don't look at things the way God does. His time frame is totally different. You're thinking, man, it's been a long time. God's thinking, man, it's just tomorrow. And you know why God is waiting? Do you know why God is pushing and, 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 and pushing back and just waiting for it to come? It's because He wants everyone to be saved. I want you to think about someone you know who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. Think about a son or a daughter. Think about an aunt or an uncle or maybe a, a co-worker. Think right now. Pull one name up in your mind. Every day that He doesn't come back, it's because He wants that person to be saved. So can I be frank with you? Can we quit arguing about when? And can we just be pro-coming kinds of people? Can we be a church that is adamant that Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds in great glory? Those who see will be gathered to Him. How? When? I don't know. But don't you dare miss it while you're debating over a donut when it's going to be. Amen? And He's coming in great glory. The clouds are going to roll. The earth will be shaken. It will be a great time of judgment. And if you don't know Him, you will mourn. You'll be looking for a place to hide. See, that should be the heartbeat of our message. I think it's good to know where you stand. I probably stand somewhere different than you and you different than me. I think it's okay. It makes for good conversation. But it doesn't make for, for good witnessing. What your friends need to hear is, hey, listen, Jesus Christ is coming. He promised. He's coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready? Since I believe he, since I believe in a pro-coming view of the rapture or his coming, whatever, it makes me watch this. You'll like this, Bob. This is you'll like this. It makes me productive. Amen. It makes me proactive. It makes me proceed. You with me? Here's what I believe. Knowing that He's coming back, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get busy. I'm going to be a little quicker to open up my mouth to the guy at lunch who doesn't know for sure he's going to heaven. Why, Todd? Because I'm a pro-coming kind of Christian. I'm going to be a little quicker to make sure my kids are in church. And we, have, we memorize our family verse. We talk about the Lord. That, that we, as a mom and dad, Julie and I, we do our part to make sure our kids know, you know what? A, a day's coming. Why? Because I'm a pro-coming kind of Christian. That's what I want you to be. Can I say that? Just be real frank with you. You know why we get up every Sunday morning? Gather folks here and set up early? Because we're looking for something to do? <laughs> Come on, people. Who in here needs another hobby, Right? <laughs> Probably nobody. Because we're pro-coming kind of Christians. You know He could come back today. The sky could roll back at lunch. He could come on the clouds before our softball game, Dennis. 
There could be a grounder hit, Mike, the shortstop. And instead of catching a uh, a grounder, man, you're flying in the sky with Jesus. He could come before you go to bed tonight. Moms, dads, husbands, wives. Yeah, so the next time you argue, well, I'm going to stay on the couch till at least 3 in the morning, teach her a lesson, really. He could come back at 2.59. That'd be a tough way to meet your wife in the air. I didn't see you in the bed tonight, but hey, welcome to heaven. I mean, whoa, dude, you know what I mean? You see how the, the coming of the Lord, whenever it is, could motivate us to be proactive and productive as Christians. That being said, that is the whole point of Paul and Peter's writings about the coming and also of Matthew 24 and 25, Luke 21 and Mark 13. Just jot those passages down. You'll read that Jesus Christ, whenever he talked about His coming, would always say at the end, so watch and be ready. He didn't say, Dennis, you know what? Take it easy, buddy. You come back and, you know, when I do, I'll take care of Just We don't know when it is. He knew that. I think sometimes we don't know that. We can think we can. We, we don't know when it is, but he's coming. Let's be ready. Let's be watching. You know, I was thinking this week about a song. Steve and I were sharing this, in fact, because he's coming back. Now, watch this here. I want to come back. Are you with me there? Say, so come back where? I want to come back to God. I wouldn't be surprised if there's people in this room this morning. You're distant from the Lord Jesus Christ. You're away from God. You know, it's reading this book's a, uh, something you don't do very much. Oh, you may pray over a meal. But as far as talking to God, in other words, you're away. You're distant. Can I say something to you? There's no better day than now to come back to God. Say, why? I'll tell you why. Because He's come back for you. I want you to be ready. I want you to be watching. We're going to sing in a minute, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I want to invite you at that moment just to tell the Lord in your heart. Maybe lift your hands. Maybe you want to just begin to pray in a whisper, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I've been away from you. But I want to come back because you're coming back. Wouldn't that be a great prayer today? You go home today and you can have lunch. You can, you can be looking, be watching. Don't be sidetracked by all the people who want to try to get you to think about when it is. I mean, who are we to think we shouldn't endure persecution? This is really what got me thinking. See, that's an Americanized view of the end times. Can I be frank with you here? And this is kind of a rabbit trail, but I'm going to go down it. You go to Sudan. You go to Ethiopia. You go to Saudi Arabia. And you look at our Christian brothers and sisters there who are being martyred for their faith. They wouldn't tell you that his end times are easy. They wouldn't say, hey, we're not going to suffer, man. We're released from wrath. Really? While they're being killed by the multitudes? I wouldn't be surprised if some there thought they probably weren't in the tribulation. I'm telling you something. It's an Americanized view of our faith to say, the Bible says we're not going to be, we're going to be saved from wrath. Well, show me, first of all, where wrath is before Revelation 6. Second of all, who's to say that? We're, the Bible says you ought to be counted a joy if you're in persecution. All who live godly will suffer persecution. And you read Revelation, you find multitudes martyred. Their blood is an offering and a sacrifice to God. Who do we think we are in America? We can have a health and wealth theology and then claim, well, God's going to take me out before it gets too bad. Where's that? What's that deal? That just sounds really almost like a, like a pie in the sky to me. Now, maybe I'm a little too honest with you. 
But you just show me where that is. Show me in the world where that's happening. You see, folks, we need to look at things from the Bible's perspective. And you cannot deny in the Word of God that we're gathered to Him before things get, before His wrath is revealed against those who don't believe. But that is no way excuses us or excludes us from persecution. Read Revelation. Check it out. I've given you lots of Scriptures. Here's what I'm saying. I'd love to hear your challenges. love to hear your, your help. I need help. Here's where I end up this week. With all that I don't know, I do know He's coming. I don't have to have a date or a time. I don't have to know exactly how. I just know when He comes, I want to be ready. I don't know when it is. I want to come back so I can be ready. Don't you? Can you pray with me this morning as we close?